Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? This is your man, El Jamal, and you are listening to a special Sunday edition of Never Out of Bounds. We got just a couple things to talk about, not too much. Uh, we're going to go over the, the world on the street, and I felt it was important to go over. I don't always, when I have a weekend show, have a world on the street, uh, but there, there was some stuff I wanted to talk about. There were three cases of just uh, random violence, uh, two shootings, a stabbing that I wanted to talk about. Um, just random stuff uh, that I wanted to address. And then I'm going to go over some college football. Uh, we had a big busy day yesterday, uh, some close games, some upsets that I want to talk about. I was right about a couple of things. I was wrong about a couple of things. We're going to talk about that. Uh, I was going to do the State of the Union for the Steelers, but today is NFL Sunday. I'm going to wait for that day for, for the Steelers game to play itself out. I want to get a ch- one more chance to see them before I put out something about them. Um, and one last thing that I did want to talk about tonight, uh, we did have a heavyweight championship match. Anthony Joshua was in action. Uh, we're going to talk about that, wrap everything up. So let's just get into it with the world on the street. And like I said, uh, there was um, there was a lot of violence this week. Uh, there was two shootings, but I'm going to talk about the first one. Uh, was in uh, the first one was in uh, Middleton, Wisconsin. Now this is a sub. This is a suburb outside of the state capital of Madison. This is also where one of their prominent universities is. Uh, this is. You know, like I said, this is middle America and, uh, you know, there's crime in this area. I would say in the Milwaukee area, but, uh, it's not necessarily, you know, on a pandemic level or worrisome level, but, uh, just on this, you know, this, this, on this occasion, on this, uh, Wednesday of this week, um, a gunman opened fire and on a software company, it was called WTS Paradigm, and he wounded four people. He was equipped with a semi-automatic handgun with multiple magazines. Now, the shooting occurred at 10.26 a.m., like I said, on Wednesday uh, Wednesday, Wednesday morning. Uh, seven officers in total uh, responded to the scene, and the, uh, the suspect was shot and actually killed. Uh, shot and killed. He eventually died from his injuries at the hospital. Uh, but they engaged with him on site. Uh, they didn't really, really mince any words or anything like that. They just kind of took him out the game. Uh, the victims, uh, last time I checked, were in serious condition, but they should pull through. And the identity of the shooter was withheld uh, by wishes of his family. So, you know, you know, there's no real idea of who it could be, but you know what we're gonna you know what the majority of people are gonna say <laughs> um in uh in other news in terms of you know the violence uh this one was a was pretty much shocking to me uh just because of who was involved uh this happened in queens new york around three thirty in the morning this would be uh believe it either thursday or friday uh but like i said 3 30 in the morning uh three infants including the three day old the three day year old the rest of these uh children were about 10 months old uh and there was three infants and two adults they were stabbed in a flushing neighborhood daycare uh all the other infants were like i said uh less than a month old and the father of one of the infants was also stabbed in the leg a co-worker was also stabbed in the, in the, in the torso uh, both, uh, both are, inst- all, everybody is actually, excuse me, uh, all are stable, uh, but they are, like I said, are in critical condition. Now, claims have been made about this, 
this house essentially uh, being used uh, as a way for Chinese women to give birth there that might be there illegally uh, and have their child uh, because they were born on American soil uh, be granted American citizenship. Uh, I don't know how much truth there is about that, but the center had never been licensed or regulated as a uh, child care facility, at least for children you know, in the infant stages, it hadn't cleared any of those regulations. Uh, but neighbors say that people, including pregnant women and children, were living living there. And this comes from multiple accounts. Uh, city council member Peter Koo, who uh, represents the community, uh, says that uh, the house does serve as a maternity uh, facility for Chinese women uh, who happen to be citizens uh, but don't have any family here now um, as if, as you know as far as illegal immigrants being uh, being there I'm pretty sure uh, that may go on on a smaller level uh, as far as my research has shown me uh, there was there hasn't necessarily well at least in just you know media and what the media choose to cover I've never seen an issue of illegal Asian um, immigration uh, you know they come here in large numbers uh, but I, as far as I know I've never heard any drama referring to them coming over here illegally in large numbers like they like uh, the American populace or American conservative media at least will do so about the uh, Latino so uh, I don't know if you know I don't I can't say that you know that's all they have in there is illegal women and they're doing you know something shady I think uh, especially from you know Peter Koo's perspective uh, he said that basically uh, this was a place for women who don't have any family here uh, as a place to get some assistance whether that be with childbirth um, and you know just care um, he went on to describe that in many of the Asian community uh, Asian immigrant communities uh, that basically businesses uh, would take over the place of child care facilities uh, so on and so forth Ron Kim basically backed up the same sentiment uh, they both represent the same neighborhood uh, they're both of course uh, those backgrounds more than likely and uh, basically what they are or what they say is yeah this might be just a regular business or you know might not be the accredited uh, place uh, but that's still pretty much what's going down there it had been a safe place um, except for this situation and uh, that's pretty much how they do in their community they you know kind of look out for each other in various different ways so I personally don't have a problem with it it was just so uh, what bothered me was you know three babies got stabbed that's ridiculous uh but the uh the victims like i said uh the two babies uh the two baby girls and the boy they are in critical condition but they should survive uh the suspect was a 52 year old employee her her name was identified as hell uh, as well uh but when they found her at the scene, they not only found two bloody knives, uh, but they also found uh, her, lit, her wrist had been slit and she had been passed out. So it looked as, looked as though she had been trying to kill herself um, in order to get out of the situation. But uh, they were able to apprehend her and she is in police custody. Now, finally, uh, there was a shooting in Maryland. Uh, this happened, I believe, the same day uh, as the as the stabbing in Queens. So we're talking about Thursday. Uh, Mar uh, I'm sorry, uh, Snowchia Mosley, 26-year-old woman, 
uh, shot and th killed three people and wounded three others outside of a Rite Aid dis uh, distribution center in Aberdeen, Maryland. Now, she was said to be a disgruntled employee. Uh, she had been working a temporary, uh, she had been working on a temporary status. And uh, I get that, I guess, you know, she, you know, wasn't happy with possibly uh, having her job uh, being taken away. So I get that. But again, you know, violence, killing people. And what's funny is uh, this, this, the shooting in Wisconsin uh, and the shooting here in Maryland were both carried out. Uh, somewhat the same way this is why you know i have to question uh you know i i want to you know i don't always you know bring this up but uh sometimes i do and one thing i wanted to say was maybe maybe a false flag because there's just too many um you know similarities you know it's it's usually these it's, if for both of these situations it's just somehow this disgruntled employee situation and they both show up on a day either they're not working or they're supposed to be working and they show up with the same type of gun a semi-automatic handgun and they both are bringing extra magazines now I don't get it. I don't get what the purpose is. But those two things, you know, just to see those two situations play out kind of vaguely the same, you know, it it it's too weird for me. Of course, in this situation, I'm going to I'm going to take a guess and say Snowchia. Uh, that's a black name. So for the first time, we can have, you know, some type of parody in terms of where we can, you know, uh, people can draw their blame. Because for uh, months and months and even years, you know, you'd see a white male being the face of a shooting. Now, you know, if if, if I'm if he's not a sister, Snowchia, well, I'm wrong. But now you have a at least you have a female. You have uh, somebody who's not necessarily a white male. So then they can, you know, you have another added um layer of just convolutedness here so um again there's a real problem uh apparently she was able to uh buy her we weapons uh legally and you know that's how it is uh but definitely we have a problem with these guns i'm not too sure if this is a a false flag but it's too uh it's too you know coincidental that they both happen to have the same gun happen to have this you know uh have that mindset of bringing extra magazines uh you know it's it's too to me it's too you know it almost seems like they're both were in my opinion not i wouldn't say coordinated but you know it's like a system it seems like a system of these events that are just like you know set up to tr trigger something and i just feel like you know with those two uh situations those are definitely you know two similar situations uh like i said the way that they went about shooting up their you know facilities or whatever facilities those were almost identical like i said the weapons used were pretty much identical so there's a lot to be said here um definitely uh more to meet the eye and i just wanted to talk about that you know you know the violence this week um you know, just in terms of just those 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 one off uh, shootings or stabbings or killings. You know, there were you know there were three major of them in a week, and you don't necessarily see that. You know, so I did want to address that. You know, just to show you where we at right now in terms of, you know, I guess our our human development. <laughs> but uh, you know, and it's but it's a serious note. It's a serious note. I shouldn't give it too much, but it's a serious note. But it's just weird, you know, especially with those last two stories. Like I said, with the two shootings, you know, just being similar like that, you know, and I can't get over it. You know, there's 
Mm, I mean, I could have seen it. I could have saw if the guy, he brought an AK-47, and she brought the handgun. But for both of them to be having handgun with handguns, semi-automatic handguns with extra magazines, it's like, you know, these, these situations are almost carried out uh, or at least planned out um, months ago. You know, like these are these are coordinated to me. I don't know, but that's just me. Maybe I'm thinking too far into it. Uh, but we're gonna take our first break for today, and when we come back, uh, we're gonna get into some college football. Uh, we're gonna go over some scores. Like I said, uh, there was a couple upsets, um, and a couple near calls for some top ranked teams as well. So we're gonna get into that too, y'all. All right, y'all. We'll be right back. All right, ladies and gents. We are moving along. Like I said, we're going to talk a little bit of uh, college football. I uh, got all the school, all the top 25 scores here. It was a really, um, really exciting week of college football. Again, you will see better matchups start around three or uh, around week three and week four. Uh, really around week four and beyond the conference play starts uh more you know the ranked teams are finally you know starting to play each other a little bit so we had some great conference play albeit some conference classics i'll call them out right now um and just the, oh like i said overall good week of, 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 of football um i'm really a fan of college football just because of the pageantry and the competition Every year, something different. One te- one year, a team might be really great. That very next year, that same team with some of the same players might get beat, blown out by the same, almost the same team. So it's beautiful. It's a beautiful sight to see. I don't have any rankings yet. Again, uh, I have some around week five. I I like, you know, to to see you know teams play. Um, I'm not really into the ranking and comparing them just yet. I li- I rather give. See, I rather see them for myself first, and then give them my eye test, and then we can go into ranking. That's personally how I do it. So uh, let's get into these scores right quick. Uh, things got started off quickly. Uh, Penn State dispatched uh, conference rival Illinois, sixty-three to twenty-four. Uh, number twenty-three Boston College took an L. They got beat by Purdue, thirty to thirteen. And if I were to, if I uh, I want to make a bold statement real quick. Uh, Purdue is on the rise. Watch for them to, you know, turn some heads next year in their in their conference. Uh, if not, getting maybe one one upset or one win they weren't supposed to weren't weren't supposed to get this year. They probably get one. They could even get one upset this season. But they're definitely on the rise. Um, it's, uh, next score we got Notre Dame number eight in the nation taking on uh, we took on uh, Wake Forest yesterday. Uh, they won fifty six to twenty seven. Pretty good game from them. They're getting their offense together. Uh, I think they can remain uh, at least in the top ten. I know they play SC at some point. Uh, I'm not too sure if I can get well at this point. I could probably say that they can beat SC. So uh, look for them to be undefeated for a while. I'm not too sure uh, where they jump up in terms of rankings just yet. They're gonna have to play some more people because you know, like I said, SC has already taken a loss. Uh, you know, a lot of the teams that they will be playing later on in the year uh, have taken some lumps already. So it'll. It, It'll be interesting to see how how high they jump uh, if they were if they're able to stay undefeated. Uh, and uh, other news, we got Georgia, the number two team in the nation. They took on Missouri. Uh, they were able to win forty three to twenty seven. And I just want to talk about this game because I want to. I know last week I highlighted the number one team in the nation, Alabama, in one of their games. So I want to make sure I broke down the top, at least the top three, uh, 
about actually I would say four teams because there are four slots for the playoffs. So I'll I'll talk about a team. Uh, a, I'll talk about a highlighted game for the fourth ranked team next week. So just go over stats and everything. But uh, as far as Georgia goes, uh, Jake Fromm led the way in passing, thirteen to twenty-three, two hundred and sixty yards, three touchdowns and an interception. Uh, in terms of rushing, Elijah Holyfield, yes, the son of former heavyweight champion, three-time heavyweight champion Evander Holyfield, he had a solid ninety yards today on. 6.4 uh, yards per carry. It's good average. He's averaging uh, half a first down on every play. Moving the ball down the field, that's how you want to run the ball. Uh, in terms of receiving, uh, Riley uh, Ridley led the way with five catches, uh, 87 yards, <clears throat> and a touchdown, excuse me. And Jeremiah Holloman and Michael Hardman also helped out with 120 yards receiving between the both of them and also two touchdowns. In terms of def uh, defense, J.R. Reed led the way with eight total tackles. And uh, DeAndre Baker, uh, two of the, these are two of their defensive backs, and he also led the way with seven total tackles as well. Uh, in terms of Missouri, uh, Drew Locke went uh, 23 of 48, 221 yards, but he had that interception. In terms of rushing, uh, Damarea Crockett led the way. He had 67 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Missouri running backs were able to get uh, four rushing touchdowns in total, so they can definitely run the ball. Definitely looks like their biggest issue, at least offensively, excuse me, is passing the ball. But uh, tight end Albert uh, Akawabunga, Aka uh, sorry, I cannot pronounce that name, but he had nine catches for 81 yards. And in terms of defense, Adam Sparks is defensive back. So we had some defensive, good, solid defensive back play today with this game. Uh, but he led the way with six tackles. In other scores, we got uh, number 19, Michigan, getting on the right track. Blowing out Nebraska 56 to 10. This has been a tough start for Scott Frost, the new coach there at Nebraska. They're not looking too good, but you know, this is what happens. It's you know, it's all a process. Uh, Alabama, you know, of course, they were in action. Uh, I talked about them taking on uh, Texas A&M number 22. They were able to get the win 45 to 23. Uh, West Virginia, number 12 in the nation, took on Kansas State, unranked, but uh, West Virginia still got the, the, the W, uh, 35 to 6. Uh, Clemson, number 3 in the nation, we're going to highlight this game too. Uh, they were able to beat Georgia Tech 49 to 21. Now, in terms of passing, the freshman Trevor Lawrence he got uh, the start. He went 13 of 18, 176 yards, uh, four touchdowns and four touchdowns and an interception. Uh, the senior Kelly Bryant also got some action as well, scoring a touchdown through the air. Uh, in terms of rushing, their Heisman hopeful uh, Travis Etienne definitely led the way today. Uh, he had 121 yards on 11 carries, and he averaged 11.1 yards a carry. So that's really good. That's over a first down. He was definitely moving the ball down the field. Uh, he had a, a rushing touchdown, and he also caught a touchdown as well. So uh, all over the place, uh, good effort, and those were definitely Heisman stats. Um, Tavion Feaster also had 75 yards on the ground and also a touchdown. Uh, in terms of receiving, Justin Ross led the way. Uh, he had one catch, 53 yards, but he made it worth it with a touchdown. And three other receivers caught uh, touchdowns for Clemson. Uh, in terms of defense, senior linebacker J.D. Davis led the way with 10 total tackles and a sack. Now, as far as uh, Georgia Tech is concerned, 
tons of passing. Tobias Tolliver uh, went two for two, 28 yards and a touchdown. And if those numbers look weird to you, that's not something you're used to. Well, I'll tell you a little bit why. Uh, that's because Georgia Tech is one of the few teams that runs a legit triple, triple option, which means and running back, to, they probably at least have two running backs, uh, you know, uh, getting carries, uh, fullback, and their running back does a lot of running too. So a lot of pitches, a lot of actual read option plays, not a whole lot of passing. So if that's not, you know, what you're used to, that's, I mean, if you're not used to seeing 28 yards passing and maybe just one touchdown, that's that's why. But you will see them get a couple touchdowns. And their backup uh, quarterback, Taquan Marshall, did that. He got 47 yards and a touchdown. Uh, running back Nate Cottrell also uh, helped out with a touchdown as well. In terms of receiving, uh, Clinton Lynch led the way uh, for Georgia Tech. He got three catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown. And in terms of defense, uh, the defensive back Malik Rivera led that uh, led in that department. Uh, he had six total tackles and an interception. All right, now uh, in other scores, Miami, uh, Miami of Florida, of course, was able to beat up on Florida International, uh, 31 to 17. Uh, Virginia Tech ranked 13 in the nation they took a, a major upset a major blow uh to their <clears throat> i would say to their brand uh they lost to old dominion 49 to 35 and uh the thing about this is old dominion if you don't know too much about division one college football uh old dimension old dominion excuse me is a school out of virginia uh they were a lot uh smaller program at least going up to maybe 2012 2013 i think that's when they are officially added into you know the fbs you know the big time power five programs uh they currently if i'm not they might be an independent uh but i think they might be a conference usa right now i gotta remember i know i i covered whatever whatever conference they were in i know i covered it um if I can remember right now, I want to say it's con- either Conference USA or the Sun Belt, either or. Uh, but apparently, but you know, they they were a smaller school. They were considered to be FCS uh, a few years ago. Like I said, that's just Division Two, small, much smaller campus back then, much smaller football program. But now look at them doing big things, taking out Virginia Tech. You gotta love it. This is why I love college football. I love. Upsets. Speaking of upsets, number 17 TCU went down to Texas. I told you guys, upset alert for TCU. Uh, Texas, I didn't know just how uh, back they were, if they were really back or not. Uh, TCU had been winning the last few games uh, by by totals of 30 points or more. I talked about that as well. But there's something about Texas. Texas just seemed to be uh, that USC game. You know, made me somewhat of a believer enough for me to at least put TC on upset alert, and I was right. They got the loss. Uh, Texas, you know, like I said, I don't know how back they are yet. I don't know how great they're just going to outright be as of today, but they're good right now. They're good right now. They're pretty solid right now. They're uh, three and one. So, well, actually, excuse me. Uh, yeah, well, about three and one, if I'm not mistaken. So, Look out for them. Uh, McNeese State got an L today. Uh, McNeese State is a smaller school. I uh, believe somewhere in uh, Louisiana, southwestern Louisiana. I could be wrong. They took their loss to BYU today. BYU is trying to get his stuff together. 30-3 uh, to 3 is the score there. Uh, another upset, we got number 15, Oklahoma State, going down again to Texas Tech. Now, 
I thought it was going to be way more points than this. The score ended up being 41 to Texas Tech, fit, uh, sorry, 17 for Oklahoma State. I set an over-under of about 80 points. I was well off, uh, but I did figure somebody would have 40 points, though. Uh, but I didn't know it would be Texas Tech, and I didn't know Texas Tech that would be enough for Texas Tech to win. Uh, this is a good win. Uh, if you do remember anything about some of my other shows, I did talk about their coach, uh, Texas Tech's coach, that is Cliff Kingsbury, being on that hot seat. So uh, if they're able to, you know, have a winning season, this might, this definitely should be the catalyst, and this might just save his job. So uh, good luck for them. Definitely. They needed this win. Uh, LSU, number six in the nation, took on Louisiana Tech. Uh, got a pretty decent W, 38-21. Uh, Oklahoma, uh, number five in the nation. They needed overtime to take out Army. I'm mm, I'm not very convinced. I'm not as com- I'm not as confident as Oklahoma as I thought I was. So uh, let's let's see how they let's see how they progress in the season. Uh, some more SEC action. Uh, Kentucky, wow, another upset. Uh, Kentucky was able to get the upset against number fourteen Mississippi State. Uh, they were able to beat them twenty eight to seven. And I'm telling you, you know, left. And this is why I don't really put out myself. I don't really buy into rankings. And if you ever, you know, you're gonna you know, be a fan of this show, you're listen to my you're not gonna hear a whole lot of rankings until a certain part of the season because you, you have all these games going on. Uh the real serious games really start around week four and that's when you see. And a lot of teams, you know, they end up being, you know, three and going into this week because they ain't really been playing nobody. They're undefeated. So what? You know, and they're all having the same record. So it's hard to really differentiate when they're all undefeated. When you start taking L's, then you can start taking notes because you see how, you know, why they lost or they continue to be, you know, undefeated. You'll see why they're undefeated. But definitely, you know, week four, this is when the time the real games happen. Uh, another action, uh, number 24, Michigan State, was able to get the W against Indiana, 35-21. to 21. And the last game that I really wanted to get into here uh, was the Oregon-Stanford game. Uh, this was a solid Pac-12 matchup. Uh, two ranked opponents going at it. This was the only uh, matchup between two ranked opponents this week. Uh, it was a good telltale sign. Um, well, it was a it was a sign. Uh, basically, you know, I, I, I and I and I can't necessarily say Stanford, you know, is going to outright win the Pac-12. I, I say it's a good showing from both teams, even, including Oregon, even though they got the L. Uh, Stanford wins 38 to 31, of course. Let's just go over the stats first. <clears throat> and I'll talk more about how I feel about the game in a second. Now, in terms of passing, uh, KJ Costello went 19 for 26, 327 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, in terms of rushing, the All American Bryce Love, he went just 89 yards and a touchdown. Uh, in the receiving uh, department, uh, two tight ends got some action. Caden Smith, he had six uh, catches, 95 yards. And uh, Colby Parkinson, he also had three catches and 50 yards. Uh, receiver J, uh, JJR Sega, he really had a monster. He really had a pretty good game uh, in terms of the receivers. He had the best game, I will say. Four catches, 84 yards, and two touchdowns. And in, two, in terms of defense, Linebacker Jordan Fox led the way with nine total tackles and a sack. Now, in terms of Oregon, <clears throat> uh, Justin Herbert uh, went 
26 of 33 in, uh, in terms of his passing, 346 yards, a touchdown, interception, um, rushing. Uh, C.J. Verdell uh, won 115 yards and touchdown. Uh, Tony Brooke James, he also had a touchdown as well. In terms of receiving, Dylan Mitchell, he had 14 catches for 239 yards, so he really had a monster game. He really seemed like he had something to prove. Uh, tight end, uh, Jacob Breland, he also had a touchdown. And in terms of defense, Troy Dye had seven total tackles. Uh, linebacker Troy Dye had seven total tackles. And linebacker Justin Holloway, uh, so, sorry, Justin Holloway, have five total tackles and a sack. <laughs> now, I, despite the loss, um, I still thought Oregon played a really great game. Uh, we were leading at a lot of points in the game. Uh, there was a controversial call. I'm still going uh, back and forth whether or not I thought it was a touchdown for the Ducks or not. Um, we did give up the game, and I say weak as the Ducks are my team. Uh, I think we did give up the game in certain parts in the second half. Uh, just, you know, passing defense-wise, uh, we, we had a big but don't break style, uh, which eventually ended up breaking in certain parts. <clears throat> but what I will say is we made one of the better running backs in the nation look a little bit human. Uh, we kept Bryce Love to just a touchdown and just 89 yards. We kept him under 100 yards. Um, and one thing I will say is Oregon uh, usually has a really good rush defense. And our defensive uh, front seven really played a good job that day, uh, yesterday, just trying to keep everything in front of us and maintaining. Uh, and even looking at the passing and just knowing uh, what Stanford has. Stanford is a team that, you know, uses a little bit of everybody. They're really uh, – smart team they have been for a while they've uh, challenged for national been in the national championship picture and many times they've won uh pack titles so we they definitely know how to win they've won major major ball games so they know how to get down um and they and they have players in all different uh positions and what i will say is uh the main thing that got us even in the passing game uh, and I know other teams won't have it. This is why, even though we'll take this L, and I'll take it for now, uh, but I know that you know we still should be all right through the rest of the beat, all right through the rest of the season. Uh, Stanford was able to get uh, some production from their tight ends. Caden uh, Smith, like I said, he had 95 yards. Kobe Parkinson, uh, he had 50 yards and a touchdown. He led the score. I don't think other teams are going to be using or have as great tight ends as Stanford. And I think that, that tight end, the tight ends alone, in my opinion, uh, at least for a for at least a, in terms of matching up against our pass defense was pretty much the factor for me. Um, you know, even with our Sega scoring twice, uh, again, we kept Bryce Love down to 89 yards, but the problem was matching up against those linebackers, uh, those tight, tight ends. They were, they were, in my opinion, they were the uh, ultimate factor, in my opinion. And then also, Justin Herbert, he, he did throw an interception. Uh, it was costly, but, you know, I think we made a good account for ourselves. Being a team that's been through what we've been through in the past few years, uh, to even uh, go at it back and forth with a number seven team and be up on them, uh, to 
number seven team in the nation. That means something. And uh, another reason I feel comfortable is because the last two games, Stanford had only allowed 7.7 points a game. We obviously went well beyond that. Uh, Stanford had a good defense coming into this game. And I know for a fact we can score on them. We can score on anybody. So um, I think Oregon will take this L. Uh, I think Stanford is definitely going to take the win and do better. Uh, will do great things. They should, in my opinion, still be able to win the conference. Um, not by definitely. There's nobody from the South right now to really challenge that. Um, as far as Oregon, they're going to take the L right now, uh, but I definitely think they improve. Uh, we proved a lot that we can do a lot of things. Justin Herbert is not a slouch. Uh, again, he just has to uh, just make a some better decisions and um you know we're just playing one of those teams Stanford just is at this year just a little bit better than us um next year it may not be the same but uh uh this year we definitely played a good game though and I still think we finished well uh in the the division um I still think we could challenge and finish second in our division and I still think uh we finished with at least nine to ten wins for the Ducks. So uh still look it was a heartbreaking loss and there's no more victories of course, but uh we made a good account for ourselves. Uh and like I said, being where we were, you know, coming from at where we were last year and the year before that, uh, you know, it was a good game to see. It was still a good game. A, a conference classic, definitely. a good game for our, our, our conference. Uh, and uh, a couple more scores here. We're gonna wrap this up. Uh, number eighteen, Wisconsin, is able to get on the back back on the right track from taking that that L to BYU last week. They were to be they were able to beat Iowa, uh, twenty eight to seventeen, and Washington, number ten in the nation. They were able to do just enough uh, to get out on top against Arizona State, twenty seven and twenty. All right, y'all. We're gonna take one last break, and when we come back, we're gonna get into some boxing. Uh, my man Anthony Joshua from the UK. He defended his heavyweight titles against Alexander Pravekin uh, from Russia. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. So uh, we'll be right back. All right, y'all. So we're going to wrap it up for today. And uh, like I said last night, uh, there was a heavyweight championship bout. Your boy from the U.K., uh, Anthony Joshua now standing at 22-0 with 29 KOs. Uh, took, took on uh, Alexander Povetkin, uh, who's now 34-2 and uh, with 24 KOs. Now, this was for the IBF, IBO, the WBA, and the WBO heavyweight titles. Um, you know, if you don't know about the IBF or the IBOs, uh, they, that's just a, um, a boxing sanctioning, you know, body. That's all, you know, their own little group. Uh, they have their own little belt and their own little champion. Uh, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, a lot of these belts don't mean a whole lot, which, you know, they can or cannot depend on, you know, who you're talking to. Uh, but they are belts and they do carry, um, you know, some type of prestige. And I would say if you, you know, if a boxer wants to prove his, you know, get some type of backing or some type of following, I will get one of them. Uh, Joshua has uh, four of them. So he's a big time dude. He's a big time heavyweight. Uh, he got in the ring with a solid, uh, a, a real solid former champion in Povetkin. A uh, really solid power puncher. Uh, he's been in, the, in there, I think, with the, I think, with one of the Klitschko's. Uh, been in there with a lot of the top heavyweight guys, and uh, he was a former uh, gold medalist. So he's coming uh, from a strong, at least from a. You know, for Povetkin, he's a you know he's coming from a strong background. Uh, definitely came in like I said, definitely came in ready for the fight, uh, battle ready. Uh, he tested Joshua, I would say early, 
throughout the fight. And but and one thing I will say is you could tell because he eventually uh Pavek and he outlanded Joshua in power shots, uh forty three to thirty seven. So not significantly. And you know, these numbers I know you looking at last week's fight. Uh, the the middleweight the welterweight fights and the middleweight fights you're like man these guys do for way less punches but these are a lot heavier shots y'all um, the final punched out uh, punch that for AJ was 90 out of 256 compared to 47 of 181 for uh, Pavekin but like I said you know they don't they don't they might not seem like a whole lot of punches you know in, the, in grand in the grand total but these are hard really hard punches because of you know the size of guys that we're dealing with, of course. So, um, one thing I will say uh, from Joshua, which I didn't see in a couple other fights, he definitely worked his jab a lot more. Um, it was different because last week, I know a lot of people might have said, you know, Golovkin might have won his fight uh, against um, Canelo because of his uses of the jab and, and things like that. Uh, but I, I think the difference between what Anthony Joshua uh, was doing compared to Triple G was Anthony Joshua really uh, used his jab to set up power shots and to get Povetkin in a certain position to take him out of the game to really hurt him. Uh, G, uh, Triple G, on the other hand, used the jab uh, frequently, I will give you that, but albeit it was more just to, in my opinion, just to score, just to have it kind of be seen as opposed to set anything up, as opposed to really work on Canelo and, you know, and that's what he should have been doing. And he should have been trying to beat Canelo as opposed to just, oh, let's just take it to the store cards. You know, that should have been his intention. And uh, that's what Joshua's intentions were clear uh, from the beginning. Yes, he was throwing a lot of jabs. Yes, Pavekin at the end of the day might have landed more power shots. But his intention was to really get in and set up power shots. He landed a, a lot of body shots as well. So, they, so the, the point was to take him out and to really develop a strategy to do so and use the jab in order to do so. And like I said, uh, Povetkin uh, was a serious, you know, is, is, is a... Is a, is a you know, was a game was a game challenger. He stayed right in Pavek, uh, right in Anthony Joshua's face when he could. He definitely uh, responded with his own uh, power shots. But again, Anthony Joshua is of the is amongst the the cream of the crop. Uh, you know, and you know he was he's able to get his win. Uh, he won via seventh round KO, and it was a convincing KO. It was a good knockout. It was a flush knockout, and those are the type of things you want to see. Uh, now, the big question now for him is what's next? We all know that uh, the big time uh, guy, De Deontay Wilder, uh, a lot of people's favorite. I personally side with Joshua just because I like his style. Uh, but uh, a lot of people's favorites, Deontay Wilder, will be in the ring a little bit while from now uh, with a former champion, Tyson Fury. And we all, all know, if you're into boxing, that is, we all know the, the problems that Tyson Fury's, uh, Fury brings. He's long. He's big. Uh, he does move. I don't think he uh, provides, as, as, you know, real angles or, you know, real 
uh, strategy uh, to his to the way he gets down as opposed to a real legit boxer. But uh, just the fact that he does move, he does have he does move his head to an extent makes him a little bit different than the majority, a lot different than the majority of heavyweights, uh, especially for the heavyweights that Wilder has fought, which has usually been straightforward guys coming in there. And usually what happens uh is they usually try to avoid his power or uh, they try to, you know, well, they'll just have to, you know, go in there after him uh, just based on their skill set. And, you know, and when you have knockout power like Wilder does, and, and see, a lot of people will say, you know, he has one-in-a-generation talent and, well, knockout power and all this, that, and the other. Uh, I, I will always equate him to a, a fighter from back in the day. Uh, if you would like to take the research, I'd do it. Uh, just to know what I'm talking about, uh, Ernie Shavers. I uh, compare him to Ernie Shavers a lot. I wanted to say George Foreman, uh, but in reality, I think George George is a little bit, just a little bit more crisper than him. But if we're talking about just raw power, uh, I, I compared him to uh, a cat by the name of Ernie Shavers. Both have raw power. Uh, both could knock anyone out. Both, I mean, I've seen Ernie Shavers be on the verge of knocking guys like Larry Holmes out, so on and so forth. So he has the, the power. Uh, and they both have the power. Uh, but definitely when they step when they got into the ring with the class with the class acts uh, for Ernie Shavers, it was Muhammad Ali. Uh, and for a lot of these, you know, power punchers, usually it is a boxer that takes it to them. Uh, for Marvin Hagler, it was uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, you know, and even for, you know, Shavers' sake, uh, one of his bigger fights, you know, the fight with Holmes, uh, he was able to, to crack the shit out of Holmes. Real shit. And uh, Holmes was damn near out, but uh, Holmes was able to get up. He knew what he was doing. You know, he had some, you know, wherewithal. He had been trained by good good trainers. And, uh, you know, his boxing skills uh, was able to get him, you know, back, uh, back conscious and able to win that fight. And I think Joshua just has that little extra uh, IQ uh, that would that would make power. Yes, you know, if he gets hit, you you still don't know because you have to get hit. But uh, he would definitely be aware of it. He would definitely be cautious of it, and he would know how to avoid it for as long as he could uh, through means of you know just outworking uh, Wilder with the jab. Uh, we all see that he has that. He does have an uppercut, which could offset uh, Wilder's power. Anything that's not of the norm, anything not a, not a straight or a hook, uh, could offset a power puncher. Uppercuts would definitely offset a power puncher. Body shots will offset them because they're not ready for them to come at them like that. They're not ready. You know, they're not ready for somebody to initiate. Uh, if, if uh, you know, Josh was able to maintain some distance and use his jab effectively, you know, just like Ali was able to do with Shavers, you know, he was able to out, you know, a little, you know, outmaneuver the power, but the power puncher. Uh, so it can happen. Uh, like I said, though, Wilder will be the biggest task of Anthony Joshua's Anthony Joshua's career if he's able to get past Fury. Uh, Fury will be a good opportunity to see if Wilder can can close down distances if he can use his brain as well as his brawn uh in all his fights i've seen him beat on guys i've seen him knock guys senselessly out and that's fine that's a great way to win but when is that when what do you do when that doesn't work 
and the human body is 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 uh, is is marvelous in that sense. That's why we have, you know, scorecards and judges. Now, they, they're sometimes rigged, and they're sometimes, I'll agree with that, sometimes they're rigged, sometimes they're biased, but that's pretty much why we have them, because the human body is amazing. You know, you can't just be knocked out by everybody. So how do you find a winner when you don't get knocked out? So that's a perfectly, you know, legitimate reason why there's scorecards. But, um, again, as far as, as uh, Wilder is concerned, this fight with uh, Fury, he's going to have to use his brain. I don't think he'll be able to knock him out the way he thinks he can or the way he's been knocking guys out. He's going to have to use some strategy. He's going to have to use some defense. Definitely, he he can't get caught the way he normally does. Uh, I think, you know, Fury is the type of guy that uh, with some of uh, Wilder's uh, strong, uh, long-winded shots, they have a tendency to leave them leave him wide open, uh, especially when he starts to get on that windmill. Fury will take advantage of that. He's seasoned enough to the point where he'll take advantage of that. And he's skilled enough and he's been in a gym and he's actually, you know, he's an actual boxer to the point where he knows to do that. You know, he's not just some, you know, power puncher like you or just some, you know, some bar, some bar scrub, you know, that they just found. And padded a record and just moved up in the rankings. No, this is a legit, you know, champion. So that will be interesting to see. I think AJ is just about ready. I think AJ is now or never for AJ. You know, if he's going to do it, he's going to do it, uh, you know, soon. Uh, that fight should happen soon. Uh, hopefully after the Fury fight. So after Wilder and Fury, hopefully Joshua and Wilder finally get at it. Uh, but as of today, I, I I still like I still like Joshua better. I like his skill set. Uh, I like uh, the diverse elements of his game. I think he can take a shot. I think he'd be able to slip a lot of Wilder shots, and I think that's gonna be a major factor. Uh, in that fight but uh we're gonna take a you know we're gonna call it a day for now y'all uh we sh i'm gonna try to be back tomorrow night uh we're gonna cover some monday night football of course we're gonna cover over the action cover all the nfl action that uh happened today uh i still like i said i needed to do the state of the union for the steelers i wanted to watch their game today just to get another uh just more just just a little bit more uh more knowledge on them and then um also i was going to do postseason award or end of the season awards for baseball as well so and of course we're going to have the world on the street we're going to it's going to be monday nights the start of the week you know what it is all right y'all this is your man el jamal and i'm signing out for now like i said i'll be back tomorrow night and y'all have a good one peace out much love